0: This is the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. I'm your host, Ben Powers. On this podcast, you'll hear from business owners, entrepreneurs, and community influencers who all play a role in moving Lafayette Parish and South Louisiana forward. This is the Tea Podcast. We're going to be talking with Brent Broussard today about his his businesses, his nonprofit that he's starting, and also his handmade jewelry, and uh, what made him want to be a part of Leadership Lafayette.
1: Brent, um,
0: how's it going today?
1: Oh, man, it's a good day, man. It's a beautiful day outside, and you know I feel great. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, um, good to have you here.
0: Uh, you are a leadership Lafayette classmate of uh, yes, Lit 36, they say. Lit
1: 36 in the <laughs> building.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know they, you know they say? They say best class ever. Of course, uh, we are the best class ever. Yeah, that's what that's what we'll say, and uh, we'll believe that for sure, because everybody seems to say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a tradition every class says it, so yeah, yeah. after we're done, the next class will say it. So go
0: ahead and tell us a little bit about you and – um, are you born and raised here? I mean, with a name like Broussard, it sounds like you are, but uh, just tell us a little bit about you.
1: Yeah, uh, definitely I am born and raised in Lafayette. Actually grew up on the north Side. Okay. Literally in the neighborhood, two blocks behind Northside High School. So, of course, living in that area, I was destined to go to North Side. Yeah. Um, graduated in 2000 or TUL for music media and uh, criminal justice. Um, you know, basically just been, you know, Trying to do what I, you know, what what I feel I need to do here in the city, and being some kind of an influence to kids, um, but I started the Bruce Art Enterprise Group in 2021 shortly after being in the Accelerate Northside program, and I'll get get a little deeper into that later on. But um, I you know, with that came the formation of. My um, nonprofit, which is a ten-year journey to even get to this point, uh, but the nonprofit is going to be called the Youth Leadership Initiative. Basically, working with kids ages ten to eighteen, you know, teaching them life skills, getting them prepared for whatever they want to do in life post high school, and you know, if they want to go to college, I'll you know help them get get to that. Or they want to go straight into the workforce, let let's figure that out too. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, there's a lot there that you you definitely said. So, great introduction. Um, What did you say the name of the nonprofit was again? Youth Leadership Initiative. Youth Leadership Initiative? Yeah. Okay. And you said it's from ages 10 to 18. Yeah,
1: 10 to 18. Originally, I wanted to do 12 to 18. But once I got with Big Brothers Big Sisters uh, this year, as a matter of fact, and started working with a fifth grader, I said, well, I don't want to exclude these kids, too, because they do need guidance, and they do need a mentor, so I wanted to add the, some of the younger ones in in it as well, and, you know, give them an opportunity to figure out what path they want to go on.
0: Yeah, so what is the 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 core of, I mean, you said children, but, like, what is it about children that you want to be help inspire and guide. Like, why, why that focus on children and not necessarily, um, I guess, I mean, yeah, you are focusing on teens, but, like, the early adulthood area.
1: Yeah, like, I, I truly feel like kids, especially in in that age range, literally they're trying to figure out where they want to go and what they want to do. You know, they're starting to think about, okay, well, what do I want to be? You know, do I want to go to college? Do I want to go into the military? And that's really a critical time in life when you're really trying to figure out where you want to go. So for me, where the journey actually started, it started back in 2012. Um, I was working with the church youth group at the time and the kids we were working with were 12 to 18. So I mainly worked with a lot of the boys that were in the group and literally helped them go from not knowing where they wanted to go and figuring out, okay, well, if you want to go into, let's say, law enforcement or if you wanted to get into being an attorney or something like that, I started pairing them up with people that I knew that were law enforcement attorneys and real estate agents, just to get a hands-on feel of it. And then I got a vision from God, like, to turn it just from being a youth group to actually building it out for the greater Lafayette community. Yeah. Well, of course, life happens over time, and it slowly just kind of manifested itself into where in 2017, right before my dad passed, we had a conversation about it, and he told me, Whenever you, the time is right, you're going to know it. And when it's right, go ahead, jump in it, and everything is going to fall into place. And even then, I was still kind of skeptical about it. I was like, eh, I've been working at it, and it really hasn't you know, gone the way I wanted it to. But once I got into Accelerate Northside in the fall of 2021, that's when the light bulb went off. And I was like, you know what? This is the right time for me to do it, and it's, it's been a great journey ever since. Yeah.
0: All right. So you mentioned that you grew up on the north side, yeah. all that good stuff. Um, one of my, well, I say one of my, the only salesperson that I have that works with me is Drew Kinnerson.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know her very well.
0: Yeah, and uh, whenever I told her I was having uh, Brent Broussard on the podcast, she goes, "Oh, I know him. Yeah, yeah, real (laughs) good,
1: real good person."
0: Yeah, yeah. And so apparently, y'all grew up. Well, I say y'all grew up, but she, y'all live, y'all were pretty much neighbors, and she watched you grow up. And so it was just uh, neat to see, kind of have that perspective. I'm like, okay, well, now I have a little bit of a some kind of connection there. (laughs) Um, Yeah. As a matter of
1: fact, her mother lived. Right across the street from my grandmother's house. Wow.
0: Yeah. So
1: she's pretty much watched me grow up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So like y- y'all, both of y'all's grandmothers were neighbors and then yes. Drew and you were also neighbors. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't, Was it wasn't planned like that. It just, no, it, yeah, it, it, just it Initially it yeah. wasn't,
1: but I think whenever my parents decided to build a house in Carrickville, they bought the property, I think maybe not even half a block down the way, from where Drew lives, and they've literally kind of watched me grow up there, too. Yeah, so, yeah. You know. So
0: what what was life like for you growing up on the north side? I mean, and, and I say that basically trying to get a time stamp on that particular era, because you said you graduated, graduated high school in 2000? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know at what point...
1: Or what stage the Northgate Mall was at at that point? <laughs> well, I can tell you back then in the eighties and nineties, and, and even early the 2000s. early two thousands, like the Northgate Mall was the place to go on the north side because you know you still had stage, um, J.C. Penney was still in the mall at one point, service merchandise. All Montgomery these. Ward
0: was had bailed out a long time ago, right?
1: Um, I want to say Montgomery Ward bailed out in. I think 97 or 98. Okay, so not too far. Right around like my junior and senior year in high school. And then served as merchandise 11 not too long after that. So it was, you see all of these stores that are popping in the mall. You had the great restaurants. It was literally the place to go. And then it slowly dwindled off to what it is now, to where there's only a handful of stores. And it's like, it's almost... Like a little desert in the mall. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, you know, because it's that aspect. And then when you look at stores like Albertsons, they used to be there too. And when Dixie used to be on the north side. And those leaving, that leaves a food desert now. And now people on the north side only have Super 1 to go get food from. Or now they can go to Aldi, but it's like, most people still are not comfortable going there when they've been going to Super One for 20, almost 30 years and Yeah. All yeah. So it's been a shift watching the NARC game Mall turn into what it is now and seeing several other businesses leave to where it's literally almost a third world country in, in a sense.
0: Yeah. So I guess where I was going with kind of framing this up is what was life? like for you growing up on the north side before i moved here because i moved here in 2010 so i was i moved here pretty much when north side was at its had already started being at its quote-unquote worst well
1: i think about 2007 was when it really started but growing up for me like we used to go everywhere like you know my grandmother lives literally across the street from the king center on on chorus street um, my mom used to be the principal at Truman. Well, what used to be Truman Elementary back then, now it's Truman Montessori, and they're about to move into a new school on Willow Street. Yeah. So that whole area, plus, of course, living behind Northside High, you see everything kinda, you kind know, of you get used to being on the Northside. And, of course, there is the segregation that, that you hear about, and it's like, mm-mm, I don't really see too much and I didn't really notice just how deep the segregation was until I got to high school and noticed when Northside and SCM would play football and basketball games, there had to be extra security because there there would be fights that would happen or something would happen at, at either one of those games on either one of those campuses. <clears throat> of course, that's when you really see, okay, there's really a divide in Lafayette and you know, I still kind of feel there's still a big separation. But now, you know, with, with us coming up, it's like we're trying to kind of bridge the gap in a sense. But a lot of the older folks still hold on to those old ideologies and they still look down on people on the North Side.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely still see comments and conversations. Yeah. When, anytime I post about something on the North Side, um, or vice versa, the, the South Side. And I'm,
1: yeah, I mean, even now with, with South Side High, you know, being around, you see it even more because now it's a, it's a real North Side versus South Side rivalry. Yeah. yeah, And, you know, people on the South Side are mad because North Side High is starting to get funding to refurbish the school. It needs it. And, I mean, as somebody that, that went and graduated from North Side, we, I mean, we literally sat in classrooms where there was no air conditioning or the air conditioning was continuously leaking on a daily basis, mm-hmm. year-round. Um, the furnaces <clears throat> never worked in the winter. You know, we saw kind of some of the decay of it. And, it, you know, it was something that had been long talked about to get not just Northside, but all five of the original high schools refurbished. But it's taken a long time for all of this to happen. So now, with Northside getting a brand new football field, people on the south side are mad because they don't have one. And it's like, y'all just coming up. Like, we've been here. Yeah. Let us enjoy what we need so y'all can get what y'all need in the future.
0: Yeah. So when you mentioned segregation, it was interesting to me because in 2000, I, gradu- I graduated high school in 2005. So five right. years after you. Um I was supposed to graduate in 04. That's another story. <laughs> it's all <laughs> right. I was held back. And in 2004, that was my junior year. I remember conversations starting in, in Evangeline Parish. That's where I'm yeah. originally from. And talking about, D. don't know if it was desegregation. Yeah, it was or desegregation. <clears throat> but they were talking about it in a weird way to try to not bring up something like that. But that's. That's a lot of the words that I kept hearing. Um, so in the country where I grew up, there was two schools that were pretty much rivalries. So essentially, you have North Side, South Side. Essentially, before South Side was there, it was the, another school. Yeah, but, you know, maybe STM. Whatever.
1: Yeah, it, it was always STM Yeah.
0: So for us, I went to Bay Chico High School. Okay. Near Shiko State Park in the okay. National Paris. Yeah, I've heard of it. And then there's also Pine Prairie High School. Okay. About maybe five, seven miles away from Bayushiko. so similar distance as these two schools in Lafayette. Well, Bayushiko, the school that I went to, was a good about 50-50, white and black, and I I didn't know anything else. Yeah. And then in my junior year, whenever they the 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 school board was talking about desegregating, I'm like, what
1: are you talking about? Like, wh- yeah, why mean, do we like, need this? Even, like, even what is this? Like, I didn't it realize it here. It was, you know, and I can say it, Northside is and has been predominantly black for the better part of 25, maybe 30 years now. Because even when I was at Northside, i was <clears throat> still, I'm going to say like a good 60-40. Okay. But then by the time I graduated, it was 100% or maybe even 85-15 at that point. But now it's 100% black. And... Northside has always gotten a bad rap in the last couple of years because of the fact that so many fights would happen, you know, back in the days, to where people look at Northside as the thug school, uh-huh. and it, you know, a lot of people on the, on the outside even called it that at one point. And I look at it as one that's the meaning to those of us that have graduated because there's been great people that have come out of Northside, like Ron Guidry, one of the Greatest Hall of Fame baseball players. Um Cupid wants to north side. Daniel Cormier. um Dustin Poirier, two of the best MMA fighters. Right. Like there's a legacy of greatness that has come out of that school, but there's still that stigma of it being on the north side and it's predominantly black. But even with you know, with the desegregation, um, that actually started here in ninety nine, my senior year of high school, because The school board had an influx of of black principals, my mom being one of them, and there was talks even then of taking them out of the black schools that they were at and putting them at white schools. So I think in 2000, there was actually a lawsuit that happened with the school board and They ended up moving my mom and several of her friends that were all black principals at all of these different black schools in the city and moved them to predominantly white schools. Wow. And just seeing that happen in 2000, when you would think segregation wouldn't even be existing. It it really showed that, that, that it still was prevalent.
0: Yeah. I mean, so that's what I was saying with, uh, being about 50, 50, and then Pine Prairie being literally probably 97.3 yeah. white to black. There was about two uh, – there was a small family of black people that went to that school, and they were not even really that black. Yeah. They were very, very, very light-skinned, and they talked very preppy because they were around all white people. Yeah, And when that discussion happened of desegregating the schools, and basically what that meant was Bill Platt, Waishiko, Vidrine – uh, Pine yeah. Prairie. All we all had to change our positions. So I had to go from Bayshico in my junior. Year, I had to transfer to Pine Prairie in my senior year. Wow. And then Ville Platte, they bust. Ville Platte's about uh, fifteen miles away from Bayshico and Pine yeah. Prairie. They had to bust. That's something similar to what happened Ville here too. they yeah.
1: they started busing black kids that lived in predominantly black neighborhoods on the north side to Prairie Elementary, um, Middlebrook, which at that time, I forgot what the name of that school was, but they started busting those kids on the south side, and that caused a lot of problems for families on the north side that didn't have transportation Mm -hmm. to get on the south side, but... The school board wasn't worried about that at that time. They were just trying to fix everything. And then later on, the School of Choice program came about to where, you know, you can pick whatever school you wanted to go to. And that kind of killed all of the feeder schools, especially on the north side.
0: Unleash your musical potential with the Music Academy of Acadiana, Acadiana's top music school, With classes in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, and audio production, their experienced instructors cater to students of all ages and musical styles. Graduates have excelled in college and major music competitions and even made it on popular TV shows like American Idol and The Voice. Founded by UL Lafayette Music School graduate Tim Benson, They've won national recognition and are consistently voted as a top music school since 2016. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. You can find more about them at their website, musicacademyacadiana.com, and you can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and several other social media platforms. Our next sponsor Chase Group Construction is founded locally by Chase Landry. Chase Group Construction takes the lead and becomes your one point of contact for the entire design-build process. They have a diverse portfolio of projects that range from the medical field to popular restaurants to multi-unit shopping center developments. You can find more about Chase Group Construction at their website, chasegroupconstruction.com. All right, so back to the conversation at hand here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you're starting a nonprofit that helps kids from 10 to 18, and I'm I'm assuming because of your background and being in an area that is relatively overlooked, you probably
1: overlooked s- and very underfunded. Like, you know. There you go. Honest. Look,
0: and I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a uh, I am ai am I do not I don't want to say a cheerleader, but I'm a advocate for the government or whoever needs to step in, local businesses, uh, developers to focus on the north side. Every time I write about something, I try my best to look for the things that are happening on the north side to to highlight the north side more because let me tell you, there's a lot
1: happening on the south side. There, there's too much happening on the lot. south side. And- I mean, just in the last 10 years to see how much this outside has grown. And this is like, okay, so y'all doing all of this and y'all building all these different places. And don't get me wrong, it's necessary. But then, what's the, like, why you not utilizing some of the space on the north Right,
0: right. For a good example, Top Golf.
1: Like, I truly yeah. believe. Top golf could have been at the old Acadian Hills Country Club. Oh right. That's right off of uh, I-49. That was that was a prime location for it. But yeah, they're putting
0: it by Costco. Dude, another prime location um where the, the the there was supposed to be a new Super One off of I 10 and uh, yeah. uh Louisiana Avenue. Well that land I think is uh, available now or is could yeah, I, th- I think
1: that that space went back up for sale. Yeah, so but that would have gone a, there. A great spot, and to it's talk a great about. visibility. I mean, yeah. even the
0: the one you mentioned is great visibility with the 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 I ten I forty nine corridor there. Yeah, um, I'm a little I'm a little uh, confused on the positioning of how Lafayette is built altogether. Lafayette <laughs> is built in <laughs> such There's a weird way.
1: Several things that I question, like. When they designed Pinhook, did they mean to, to to really design it as skinny as it is? <laughs> Man, you know, you know how everything you know. was
0: designed back in the day; it was horse trails. Yeah, well, yeah <laughs> that, that's part of it. So, I mean, you know, you, you can only widen as so much, and really, you'd have to take out some buildings and trees to widen yeah. Pinhook. And I don't know. If and that's another to do big that.
1: thing too, especially with them trying to extend I forty nine from I think Willow Street all the way back down to the airport. Mm-hmm. It's like. They they've been talking about this for twenty years, but you have all of these businesses and homes that are all along that stretch. How are you going to widen that out to make it four or six lanes without taking out some of these businesses and homes?
0: Hey, I know they look. They figured it's, out some stuff.
1: Apparently, they. That's did. why you have
0: civil engineers. They they apparently over there they doing, they doing some figured math. Something yeah.
1: out to to where it's actually going to be, I guess, worked on in the next two years. But I don't know. It's still like, what are you going to do with these people?
0: The future I-49 corridor has been coming since forever.
1: <laughs> Prank, I think they started talking about it back when I was in high school. Man, it look, it's been that long.
0: Whenever I moved here, I saw the future uh, I-49 corridor signs. And yeah. I'm like, oh, all right, man, this is this is going to be happening soon. No, 10 years later, later 13 like, years later, bit. I'm like, it, it's still, uh, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and what's crazy is, this is I, I, I don't mean to get a little dark here, but I had a, a follower of mine who was in his 70s, and or late 70s. He was getting old, and um, he recently passed away. But I remember posting about the i uh, the uh, i 49. Uh, connector being talked about and how it seemed like it was about to happen. Yeah, and I remember him commenting saying he's going to be dead before he'll ever see this come through fruition. <laughs> and, sadly and enough, poor, poor
1: guy, man, he. Yeah.
0: Now he will never see it. And yeah. you know what? Let's be honest. You and I will probably never see it
1: at the rate that it's been going. <laughs> I'll probably be in my seventies by the time they. Actually yeah, do we'll it. be in our seventies. <laughs> like I'll be damned They finally got this going. <laughs>
0: All right, so I wanted to talk a little bit more about your nonprofit because that was yeah. a, kind of the, the lead-up here, and I know that was a long way around. <laughs> you know, if we would have had a loop, maybe we would have gotten there faster, exactly. last year. And, and I think that's another
1: <laughs> thing that they're talking about building, but I, I don't know how that would happen either.
0: I know, we need a loop, but let's not get on that soapbox. Yeah, that's too, uh, too
1: deep of a subject for yeah, another, yeah, day, another, day. another day in class.
0: Yeah, another day in class. Hey, you hear that, uh, Katrina? All right, so... The nonprofit helps kids from 10 to 18, and are the kids – is there a focus on white, black, or is it any kids? What does that look like? Where does, oh. where does your
1: target look like, like? Truthfully, my target is any kid that that's in the city. I'm not necessarily looking to target just to black kids. Because then that would make me look like, oh, he doesn't want to, you know, talk to the Asian kids or the white kids or anybody else. I really want to open it up to everybody so everybody has an opportunity to, to get some knowledge and really get some understanding of where they want to go and how they can go about getting it. Of course, the core of it is going to be the Northside because yeah, that's, I mean, that's your, like my that's number your one passion. Ground, yeah. That's, you know, where I grew up. That's pretty much where I still live at this point. So, you know that is going to be the core of it, but I do want to open it up to everybody, so that you know, like I said, everybody can have an opportunity to, you know, figure out where they want to go and, you know, be successful wherever they want to go. Okay. And so, are you going to focus on like financial
0: literacy and all that like stuff?
1: Two of the biggest things that that I really want to focus on, especially for our young black and brown kids, is financial literacy. And that's mainly because a lot of us are not taught that early on in life. And we don't figure out how to, you know, how to create a budget or how to even balance a, a bank account until we're well into adulthood. <laughs> I mean, luckily for me, you know, I was able to be taught that, you know, while I was in high school, I had my first checking account, learned how to balance all that and everything. Even though, you know, I did mess up, you know, initially, like it did teach me how to, how to manage things. So I look at it like, Some of the kids that I grew up with were not being taught that. And even kids today, a lot of their families are not taught that. And they're not even realizing, you know, the importance of having good credit or even what credit looks like and and how to manage that. So that you can be able to buy a house, buy a car, whatever you, you know, whatever you want.
0: You know, I mean... I don't remember being taught financial literacy all that much, I, except for, like you said, in high school. I remember remember my senior year, yeah. I got taught how to write a check yeah. and balance a checkbook. which a
1: lot of kids don't even know how to do that anymore. Because checks are not that common. I, I yeah, like they're not common. Everybody uses a debit card yeah. now. Or I haven't owned know. a check since 2006. <laughs> I'll make you laugh. The last time I wrote a check was last month for when I had to pay my dues for the 100 black men. Oh, okay. And that okay. was the first time I had written a check in, in <laughs> probably 15 years. It's been a while. Yeah, I was, I was sitting there like, wait, so how do, do I do I this? this? Yeah. <laughs>
0: you, you lost all that financial literacy yeah, right like, there. was
1: like, oh, damn, how do I do? Okay. Yeah, uh, I think,
0: so w- we bought a house, and I had to uh, write a check, because you have to have a, you know, depending on your case, you have to, have a deposit or um yeah. upfront the the down the, payment the down order. payment yes, yes I was couldn't think of the word and um we had sold a house and the money that we m- thankfully made from that house uh we stashed it cuz we knew we'd have to pay uh closing costs and all this other yeah. stuff and they told me I needed a check for x amount and I'm like I'm like, can I just, uh, like, can I, like, Zell it? Or, yeah, like, you can, know, I can I Venmo
1: it? it to you, yeah,
0: like, can I just Venmo it? No, you need to uh, have a check or a money order. I'm like, or a cashier's check, I think. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. So I had to go to the bank and get a cashier's check. And they yeah. were like, you know, you could just get checks. I'm like, I, don't, I haven't owned a check since 2006. I don't know <laughs> what to tell you.
1: Yeah, because I was like that when I went to the bank to get it. And I was like, um... Can I get a blank check? And the guy was like, well, you know, I can put your account information on there if you want. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Yeah. So, but, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, um, you know, like I'm saying, that's one of the biggest pieces. Right. The other big thing, too, that I think is highly overlooked for kids is mental health.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. You know,
1: especially with the age of social media and the cyberbullying that's happening and the amount of kids that are killing themselves now, nobody's really talking about mental health for kids. So, I, you know, I'm still kind of developing a program to where I can bring in some licensed counselors that I know to come and talk to kids about mental health and how to deal with certain things, like how to deal with anger or depression and stress anxiety that they're feeling. You know, because with social media, they're looking at all of these different things and it's bringing, and not just the anxiety of it, it's bringing almost a fear of I will never amount to this if I don't look like this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of that same pressure for adults as well, but it's even on, on a deeper level for kids because they're seeing other kids that look a certain way. They're seeing, you know, some of their favorite rappers or singers look a certain way. And now they want to emulate that more than what we did when we were that age.
0: You know, it's kind of like whenever we were younger and we would get magazines from the the bookstore, the grocery store, and we would see, you know, images of people dressed up with, you know, you know, rappers with chains and yeah. nice cars and women, and you know, you got your boxers and your wrestlers looking all yeah, fancy, you know, and you're everybody,
1: like, everybody, you know, was all flashy. They got their, yeah. you know, and designer you, clothes on, and it's like, okay, well. And you thought you had to be that. Yeah. To be something. But not realizing that most of these entertainers and even some athletes go broke within five years. Yeah, yeah. You know,
0: it's, yeah, it's, it's a crazy time. I mean, social media is essentially a, a hyper version of what magazines were for us when we were younger and it's you're constantly being fed new content all the time like with a matter of a matter of seconds you can see three or four different maybe even 10 different versions of content especially with tiktok that that really distort reality for people so I appreciate that you're going to be focusing on mental health for children because yeah, that's a hard one. Like my little boy, he's six and he sees stuff on YouTube, and he's like, "Man, I want to, uh, I want to train to be a YouTuber." I'm like, I'm like, I, I think that's cool, but like, I think he's seeing a version of what YouTubers are that I'm yeah. like, I don't think he realizes the the amount of work that goes into even right. trying that.
1: Because I know with with one of the the kids that I talk to. He, you know, wanted to be a YouTuber, and I'm like, I want you to understand this. You have to constantly post content almost on a daily basis in order for you to even drum up the views that you need. And then it even takes up to between, I think, one to two years before you even get the ad money started. Oh, yeah. So... Most of these kids don't even realize that's what it takes. They, you know, they think, oh, I'm going to post this on TikTok. I can automatically get paid. No. If you don't have, if you're not (sighs) generating enough views, they're not even going to look at that getting ad support for you to even generate, that income. Yeah, a
0: lot of people think, and younger people think, and even older people, because it's, it's a spectrum of people that believe this, that when you go viral, let's say you, you post a video and you go viral on the internet, that you're supposed to collect a check. It doesn't, it doesn't it work that way. that way. You know why? Because your account is not monetized. Yeah. And so, like, on YouTube, you need, I think, a 1,000 followers minimum. And then yeah. like four thousand hours of watch time, like yeah. people have had to watch your content for four thousand hours
1: before you can even before you can the, the even get remotely monetized for yeah. it. And, and it's even like that on Facebook, I think yeah, too.
0: Yeah. Well, thankfully, Developing Lafayette's doing good enough to where we're monetized <laughs> right. on Facebook. Right. Right. <laughs> but still, it's not that much money. It's no. I can't retire off of it. No. Like some of these YouTubers make millions of dollars a year. Did you yeah. know that?
1: Yeah, because I think I saw one time a kid made, like, 20-something million money. That might be
0: uh, the same kid I'm thinking about. Um, he he has a Nickelodeon show now, too. Yeah. But he was basically, his mom and dad would film him opening up toys and playing with them. Yeah, that was it. Uh, it might be Ryan, Ryan's I, World I, I, or something I forgot like that. his name, but,
1: <clears throat> but I think it's the same kid.
0: Yeah, I mean, I want to say the last, one of the articles I read, he was making, his family was making, like, either between 14 and 17 million dollars a year, yeah. I want to see. I want to see one million dollars in five years. Give me I, that. I would love to see that
1: within in the my next lifetime. Five myself. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know, right? Like, I mean, just to 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 under to even fathom that much money in one year. Yeah. I mean, most people in Louisiana, most people in the world make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year. Yeah. And it used to be in the nineties, a hundred thousand dollars was a lot of money.
1: And now, and now you're is, you're
0: almost on poverty level still. Yeah,
1: in in a sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, especially if you if you live in the city and with the you know property and all that stuff.
1: And the way inflation is going, yeah, up, I know. the way it is, is
0: so yeah. I going back to uh, that, and yeah, I appreciate what you're doing with kids and. The, uh, the education factor that behind that. So um, when are you launching that non-private? Like what's the stage at for um, that? The,
1: right now I'm, I'm in the funding stage for it. So I'm looking for grants and I'm actually looking into starting to write grants myself so that I can try to get the funding pieces that I need to be able to put some of these things in place. Um, Cause I also want to bring back, um, back in the day, there used to be teen summits where different guest speakers would come in, and there, there was an educational piece behind it. But there was also something fun that, that you did, too. And I think that's something that's been missing in Lafayette for maybe 20 or 25 years. I think the last one that I remember taking the youth group that I worked with initially, I think the last one we, we went to might have been in 2010, and there hasn't been anything since so I, you know, I really want to bring that focus back to to where kids can have fun but still learn financial literacy or mental health or, you know, how to build a resume, how to dress for job interviews, you know, especially for young men, how to tie a tie, mm-hmm. how to dress properly, things like that. You
0: know how many times on YouTube how to tie a tie, and I still I I don't know if I have it memorized. I I could probably try, but. I have to always. I think do I that. can
1: only do two <laughs> two actual knots, and they're not even that perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: okay, yeah.
0: um, well, cool, man. I, I I love hearing about that. I can't wait to see uh you get that kicked off and running because I think that's needed. I think uh, there's a few people in town that are doing financial literacy stuff, but I think more for the adult side. Corey, uh, Jack. Yeah, he the, does. Corey
1: Jack has <clears throat> been a really big help for me because. You know, even how I brought back the nonprofit, um, sitting in, in Accelerate Northside, I think it was the third week he came to speak, and he was talking about, you know, how to, you know, put a business plan again, together and everything, and I'm sitting there, I'm listening to him, and then the light bulb went off, I was like, so that's what I needed when I went talk to the Small Business Development Center in 2015. I needed a business plan. Immediately, <laughs> I'm like, I need to get with this dude after class. So once we got out, I ran up to him and I was like, hey, I need to sit down with you. I, You know, I got an idea that I want to talk to you about. I might need your help with it. A week later, we got together and he's really been like a mentor to me, even though he's younger than I am. So, you know, he's been a big help. Uh, Corey actually helped me get my LOC paperwork together, the 501c3, and really focusing on, you know, what the plan is, and, you know, how to go about it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually had him on the podcast oh, Call a couple of years ago now. Yeah. And uh a real was, good guy. Yeah, really good guy, very insightful, and doing a lot of stuff. So yeah. a lot of good things. Because
1: even now, he's expanding to New Orleans. Oh, wow. He has an office there now. And the last time I talked to him, he's also going to be expanding to Evangeline Parish as well. Really? Because he's from Mamouk. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So he's going to be doing some things. I don't even know if we uh, talked about that. In that area. Nice. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Because that area, let me tell you, it's, uh, it needs it. It needs all of the education that it can get. Yeah. Because I know um, a few people in my graduating class, um, the ones that felt that that area didn't offer a lot for them, they moved to Lafayette or like yeah. Charles or even Baton Rouge. Um, but. You know, it's it's an area where there's not a lot of industry. There's not a lot of jobs for people, well-paying yeah. jobs. The only good jobs in that area, at least the main jobs that I've seen growing up, was working high lines, basically electric electric poles, yeah. um, uh, doing lumber or like cutting down trees or uh, going offshore. L- yeah. Really, that was. And I mean, the
1: truthfully, you know, in Louisiana, offshore is still like one of the number one oh, yeah, industries. Yeah.
0: yeah. Now medical's coming up pretty good, but yeah. you, you know, to get into the medical industry you have to have education. Yeah. At you least can, you have to, to have some money. Money. kind of knowledge yeah. to get into it. But the oil field you really didn't need anything. No. You just go roughnecking and you'll you'll make a good three or four grand a week and yeah. come back and spend it all.
1: Yeah. You know.
0: Okay, well, man, all right, we're getting close to the uh, end of the 45 minutes here, and I saw that uh, Shira said, hey, Lit 36, a few minutes ago. <laughs> so she's watching, hey, Shira.
1: Yeah, I told a few of them to, to, to you know, yeah. tap in and, and watch.
0: Okay, so I want to get to uh, your bead, your your jewelry, your handmade jewelry, yes. and then I want to talk about what, what led you to join uh, Leadership Lafayette. So your... Your jewelry company is Beads by Brantley. Yes. And I will show the um, the website here in just a second. Let me yep. pull it up. All right. Okay. So this is your website. Oh, gosh. I have uh, some logos covering it. There we go. So this is your website here, uh, Beads by Brentley. This is a Shopify account. And if you want to go to his website, I'm going to show you the um uh, the website there just type that into your browser it's beads dash by dash brentley that's brentley b-r-e-n-t-l-e-y dot my shopify.com uh yeah just if you're listening i'm sorry i probably didn't do a good job on uh giving you that domain but you can go to our youtube channel or facebook and you can see the website and screenshot there okay So, tell me a little bit about why you started making handmade jewelry. Like, what possessed you to do that?
1: (laughs) Well, I'm not even going to say what possessed me to do it. Um, For the better part of almost three years now, I've been in, you know, doing my own personal therapy. Yeah. And one day myself and my therapist, we were in a session, we were talking about patience because I have a tendency to be impatient at times. And I was noticing these bracelets that he was wearing that day. And, you know, I just kind of casually mentioned, hey, doc, I like the bracelets you are wearing. Where did you get them from? Because I was thinking of, you know, possibly finding them and getting them myself. And he was like, okay, you know what? We've been talking about patience all day. I have an assignment for you. All right, that well,
0: Yeah, what was what, that? What do you want me to do? Do you want me to <laughs> meditate?
1: He was like, No, I want you to actually figure out how to make your own bracelets. And I'm like, All right. Like I literally said that for a few seconds. I'm like, um, how the hell do you want me to do this? Like, <laughs> I've never done this before. And he was like, Yeah, when you leave here, I I want you to go to Hobby Lobby and I want you to find the materials to make your own. And when you come back next week. I expect you to have one for me. I'm like, okay, you really challenged me to do this. All right, cool. Left the session, went to Hobby Lobby, got a bunch of string, started off with some wood beads first because yeah. I said, I don't want to get the gemstones just yet. Let me try it out with these. And then I happened to go over to Michael's, and I'm like, let me see what they have there. And I saw all of these different gemstone beads, and I'm like, wait. Wait. That looks like what he had on. Let me grab these two. Just, you know, just to try to figure things out. Went home that night, started kind of playing around, you know, putting putting them together. And I'm like, okay, I can kind of see why he wanted me to do this, because this is a way to calm me down and yeah. really teach me about being patient. So initially it took me like 30 minutes to put a bracelet together, and then try to figure out how to tie it off. (laughs) Once I figured that out, then I was like, let me see if there's a way that I can cut this down to maybe 10 or 5 minutes. Kept going, kept going, and literally, I made 5 different bracelets in, in that first night, and I was like, okay. So, I feel great. I see why he wanted me to do this. I can maybe do something with this. Still wasn't really thinking like, okay, this could turn into a business. But then, you know, I put on two Tiger Eye bracelets myself. Started wearing them. Then, you know, Sarah started seeing them. And she was like, hey, can you make me one? And I was like, I already got some for you. Gave it to her. And then other people slowly started asking about it. And I'm like, okay, now this is kind of yeah. turning into something. Went back to therapy the next week. Brought him two Tiger Eye bracelets that I've been. he was like... Okay, so how do you feel about it? I said I feel great. You were like, "Good. This is something that you know you you should be able to do every week, and you know maybe it might turn into something for you." And I'm like, "Okay, cool, whatever." So, it also became a stress reliever for me too because if I was stressed out doing anything or just you know normal daily stresses, I would go home and you know whip up like one or two bracelets right quick. Yeah, and then. Slowly over time, people started asking me about it and they were like, hey, where did you get that from? Who dude made it for you? And when I said that I made it, they were like, well, can you do one for me too? Like, can you, <laughs> can you get this gemstone and can you get this? And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, let me do some research on these gemstones to really see why these people need them. Yeah. And what happened was I ended up going to a store in the NorGate Mall called Earthfound where they have literally a display full of gemstones and they had all of the little meanings and everything for them. And I started talking to the owner and kind of told her what I was doing and, you know, what I was thinking about doing with it. And she'd be like, well, if you're going to maybe turn this into a business, why not educate them on these different properties that these gemstones have? Because like tiger eyes are really good for focus, balance, and prosperity. Me, you know, being an entrepreneur, prosperity is one of the biggest things that I I want. But also, you know, I do need something to, to focus. And then, you know, learning about there's some for depression, anxiety and all of these different things that people go through on a daily basis. I then say, well, I need to kind of turn this into a business, not just to educate people about these gemstones, but to give give them something that can help them go through whatever they're going through. They can wear them on a daily basis and really give them something, you know, to make them feel good. Yeah. And it slowly turned into a business. Really, cut, really like put my Facebook page up, I think, the summer of 2021. And then, like I said, in the fall of 2021, my initial idea for going to Accelerate Northside was to build Beats by Brentley. But, sitting in, in that third week, that's when the nonprofit idea came came by, and I was like, "Well, how can I manage both of these at the same time? right? And that's when I formed the Bruce Art Enterprise group, okay as you know more as a managing firm for both of these, but now it's kind of exploded to so where other entrepreneurs are looking at me as as kind of a I guess you could say a lead on maybe, or maybe a mentor for them. To help them get their businesses started as well. So I've actually helped like four or five entrepreneurs get into Accelerate Northside, and now their businesses are flourishing.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, who, who did you help get in?
1: Um, the One of them uh, is a girl named Josino. She has a juicing business. Uh, I want to say it's called... Rich? In, is it Rich Juice? No, no? not Rich Juices. Um, in Juice Me is the name of it. Okay. Originally, the name she had was Juices by Joe. Okay, yeah. But she ended up changing the name, and now she's basically exploded to where she's selling the juices, not just out of her home like she used to, but she's also selling them in Ami's Groceries. And I think she just um, started at Fightin for, uh Fightingville Fresh, too. Um, it's a little fresh market, I think, yeah. on Tuesdays uh, from 3 to 5. She sells them there as well. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so the beads are beads are therapy yeah, essentially. It, for yeah, you. it's more
1: of a of a therapeutic tool for, you know, whatever you need. But
0: it it's become a business. Yeah, added into your portfolio. That's awesome. Yeah, and so I was looking at some of the um the products that you have on your website. So, uh, everything I see is twenty five dollars for each bracelet. Yeah. Um, you have an African opal, an African yeah. turquoise. Yeah. Uh, Amber, amethyst, all the, the, it looks like the birthstones.
1: Yeah, pretty much it's a lot of birthstones and a lot of different gemstones that people have never even realized have been out here. And one of the things that I found really interesting about it is a lot of our ancestors wore these gemstones and even used some of these gemstones in buildings. So it's like, you know, learning about the history of a lot of these too you know and even in in a biblical sense most of these gemstones like lapis and lazuli and amethyst they're all mentioned in you know in the bible so i was like okay there's also this influence as well that people probably you know just read the bible and were like okay well, what was this but they've never seen it or never even understood what it was
0: right yeah
1: uh, it's cool stuff,
0: man. I, I like them. And you made one for the, the class as well. Yeah, I'm,
1: I'm still working on it. Um, I've gotten a, a few responses. I'm waiting on others from everybody in the class so that I can actually lock one down and, you know, be able to have one probably at the next session yeah. in June. Yeah.
0: I mean, saw. I don't know if I responded to it, but, I mean, I'd be down to, to get yeah. one. Um, And I think I saw a few people said that they'd be down. Yeah. Because it has uh, Lit 36 on it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, you know, I'm I'm still kind of working on it to really figure out what what stones I really want to use and how I want to put it together. But I definitely want to tie in Lit 36 in there. And, of course, Amber is one of the good ones for, you know, igniting your fire and your passion. All right. So, you know, I was like, let me kind of throw that in there, which ties into Lit 36 as
0: well. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to that. You got about, what, three, four weeks left? For our next session?
1: Uh, yeah, but about three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So times are ticking there. Yeah, it, it's but, ticking, but I'm working on it. Yeah, you
0: you're doing good. Yeah. All right. So, which leads me to the next phase and then we'll close out. Um, what what made you or what led you to um apply for leadership lafayette? Like, did somebody nominate you or did somebody say, Hey, you should try this, or was it something that you it saw was, a lot of people well, doing?
1: Initially, it was, well, I I know people that were in both Class 34 and and 35, like Kevin Guillory, who works here in the Lead Center. He was in 35. Um, Kelsey Sanders, who has uh, Eat Fuel Flourish. She does meal preps and catering. She was in 35 as well. So I kind of knew people that went through the program. And, of course, also in my family, my sister went through it. So we were kind of talking about it last year. And she was like, I think you really need to do this. This is going to help you. It's going to help your confidence. And, you know, it'll help you get get your name out there more. And I'm like, uh, I'm kind of an introverted extrovert in a sense. So I'm like, do I really want to put myself all the way out there? But then at the same time, being an an entrepreneur – and knowing that I want to build a nonprofit, the only way I can really build it the way I want it to be built is I have to step out and put myself out there. So I said, well, all of these other people I know went through it. They, they had great experiences. I think this might be a good thing for me to do. And I applied. Initially, I didn't think I was going to get in. Right. But... I got the call from Katrina. I was like, Oh shit, this is real. <laughs> so it was like, all right, let me, yeah. let me mount up and get ready for it. Yeah. And it was same similar
0: story for me. I've been seeing a lot of people over the years go in it. And my, I'm, I'm kind of like you. I'm an, I'm introverted, but also extroverted. I can be yeah. extroverted if I need to be. It's almost like a gear yeah, shift.
1: Yeah, is like you know you can turn it on and off yeah. whenever. My you wife
0: thinks to. I'm crazy. She's like, "No, you're an extrovert." I'm like, "No, I really, no, really dude. don't want to be around people." Like, half like the time.
1: and I don't mind being around people, but there's days where I'm like, I really just want to be yeah. by myself, yeah. chilling. Well, that's that's what I mean. I,
0: it's not know, that I don't want to be around people. It's just I don't. I guess I don't want to be put in a position where it would be awkward. Yeah. And,
1: and, you know, another big thing for me too, like a lot of times when I would go to places, I would only talk to the people that I knew and never wanted to work the room. But now... you're being forced to work the room. Being an entrepreneur, (laughs) entrepreneur, I'm kind of being forced into getting into these rooms and conversations with, with other people that I never thought I would ever meet. And most of the people that I've met in the last two years, have all come out of people that I met during Accelerate Northside. Oh, wow. Like Corey Jack, Charles Edwards is another one. I kind of knew Charles before, but actually going through Accelerate Northside, I've gotten to really know his story of how he built One telemed. and he's also become a mentor of mine as well. But also meeting people like Katrina and everybody that we have in class, it's like everybody brings, you know, a different skill set to the table that we all can benefit from in some kind of way. So that definitely is helping push my confidence out. So now I've joined the 705, which Alicia is going to be the president-elect in the next year. Um, I've also joined the 100 Black Men, which is a phenomenal organization that does a lot of work with mentoring kids which that's going to help that's me. That's right on, up your on, alley, yeah. You know, right, on, right up my alley, and it's going to help me really build, you know, the nonprofit and even meeting some of these guys in, you know, in that space. It's like now I have a network of people that I can call on to talk to to get some of the things that I need done to actually get it done, whereas before I didn't have that network.
0: Yeah, man, I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, anyway, we. Sh- I think uh, all of us share a very similar – uh yeah, uh, reason for joining. We all we want to uh, broaden our horizon to some yeah. degree,
1: and you know, also kind of get the inside knowledge that you heard from other yeah. people that went through yeah. it, and it's like, oh, so now I see why they didn't tell us about SimSock. It's like, no, you got to experience that on your own. Yeah,
0: because if they if they would have told us, then it it I mean, kind of
1: would have it would have ruined it a, a little, little bit. Before. Yeah,
0: because. Look, let me, uh, let's, okay, I was about to get into, uh, uh, I was about to start mentioning this <laughs> stuff. <laughs> let me cut that off. Uh, y- you can try to Google it. You can try to YouTube it. Yeah, I struggled finding any information on what was going to be happening. There is a book on it that you're usually handed this whenever you take the class. So if you're listening and you're thinking about taking Leadership Lafayette uh, next year or applying and hopefully you get picked, uh, just know
1: that there's a thing called SimSoc. <laughs> and um, it is it's an interesting experience. It, it to is. Say a, the it's, least. A,
0: it's a wild time.
1: But it does give you, like, kind of an insight of how society really is in the yeah. sense.
0: And if you're listening, SimSoc stands for Simulated Society. society. So just take that information yeah. for what you want and uh, go from there. But um, yeah, man. So uh, to kind of finish it out, um, what do you hope beyond what you've already said, what do you hope to see out of leadership Lafayette at the end of the year? And we graduate all that good stuff, you know, that's coming. So what um, do you, what do you hope to have learned or gained from this?
1: Definitely not just the knowledge of, you know, how the government works and everything. Cause I mean, our trip to the state capital was interesting in itself last week, but, also to, you know, continue to foster these relationships with these other 32 people that we're in class with and really utilizing them as, you know, pieces of, of our network. I mean, already Diogo has introduced me to several people that he thinks Same. That, that might be beneficial to me. And I'm like, okay, I I can see, you know, what, how this is going to work. Um, I've already kind of talked to Karen about doing stuff with her and, and what she's doing with... Um, with her tutoring uh, initiative that she's been doing and, you know, just continuing to to foster these relationships and continuing to work with each other.
0: Yeah. See, and that's why I like um, doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. First of all, going back uh, real quick. um, So this is doing the podcast is kind of my way of, uh, getting out of my comfort zone yeah. and talking to people that I may would have never met before leadership. Cause I didn't know if I would ever yeah. get into leadership. I always thought leadership Lafayette was for the elite of Lafayette.
1: I th- that's that what was, I thought that was my too. Thought. Until like I'm seeing Kevin and Kelsey, um, another friend of mine, Brandon. People Foster, that are relatable. Yes. And, you know, people that I've come to own over these years. And I'm like, so, wait, if y'all got in, I yeah, could possibly yeah. get in, too. That
0: person can get in. Right. Well, come on. I mean, like, I got to fit somewhere, right?
1: Right. I'm like, and then actually seeing everybody when we went to orientation is like, okay, now I see why this is so diverse. Yeah.
0: And I love it. I love I it, man. I love it.
1: I mean, even getting to know Peyton and her story mm-hmm. is, is incredible.
0: It's wild. Yeah. yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, Peyton's... Uh, world right now that's the the big topic of conversation yeah the hot topic uh, a, a very hot topic actually. i mean we, yeah. we kind
1: of got a glimpse into you know you know the the labor committee last week when, when we sat in that, yeah, in that yeah
0: meeting. and for those that are listening uh and watching if you don't know uh what we're talking about we're talking about a classmate who happens to be a trans woman yes so uh, the, a lot of a lot of conversations around that. Um, I won't go into any sort of uh, yeah, detail yeah. there because we, you know we
1: don't want to upset anybody. We're not we're not to trying
0: to push anything here yeah. one way or the other. Just know that um, we had political we had a political day, a capital day. Um, yeah, what was it last week? Yeah, it was yeah last week. last week, and we got to see some different bills that are in kind of the loop, and there's a lot more that are still being in place for uh, that community and all that good stuff. So, yeah, this, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's it's interesting topic. Whether you're um liberal, conservative, either way, there's a lot that can be learned there's, from yeah, this. on both sides of that. Sure. For sure. For um, sure. So, yeah, man, with that, I want to go ahead and say thank you for coming on and accepting my invite. Yeah, Hopefully, man. there are a few more that decide to accept Hopefully my invite. Hopefully so. You know, I know like, Shira has been commenting. Uh she, uh, she also said, We never speak of Simsock.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's because the green and and, and the yellow grooves were still beefing at one point.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, God, you might have said too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: let, 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 let me not go in any, any further into but, that.
0: But we do have Shira. Uh, 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 do you say her last name, Moran? Yeah, okay, we have Shira coming on. Uh, in a few weeks here, so she's been commenting, and if you're listening, you you haven't seen the comments because you're listening uh, on the audio version, but yeah, we'll have Shira, who's also a classmate of ours, coming on in a few weeks. We'll get her her story, kind of what led up to her coming on uh, to the podcast and going into Leadership Lafayette and what she's experiencing, same with kind of what we got out of Brent today, so with that, Brent, uh, thank you for coming on and uh talking with me and uh getting into some conversations that i wasn't expecting to get into <laughs> yes, but it did get a little <laughs> deep
1: at the beginning but i appreciated being here, ben
0: yeah man well uh good great. luck with everything um good luck with your 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 beads by Brentley and yes. your nonprofit that you're starting and i hope to see you do good stuff
1: i'm trying to do it as much as i can man.
0: hey man we all we have a short life we have to do as much as we can right oh yeah 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 All right, Brent, well, uh, have a good one, and we'll see you around the class, right? Yes, sir. All right, y'all have a good one, guys. All right.